welcome to the Festivus edition of What in Tarnation, Target Blog's Hot Take Podcast. On this episode, we're sharing our grievances, our feats of strength, and recapping the Ohio State game. I'm Tanya Anderson, and with me as always are Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. Guys, how are we doing? Doing pretty good coming off of a week uh, win over the weekend, so can't be mad at that. Yeah, doing doing pretty good here too. Not not just for the win, but we had some other um, silent wins, right? <laughs> and other sports. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> we love us some silent wins. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it would be nice if we were only going to talk about good things, but um, this is a festivus podcast, and you know, as they say, got a lot of problems with you people. You're going to hear about it. <laughs> um, but before we get there, I guess we should talk about the good thing, which was the win over Ohio State. Uh, UNC came back from double digits down in the second half. Uh, Pete Nance had a buzzer beater to send the game to overtime, which I you could have knocked me over with a feather because I did not expect that shot to go in. Um, and then in overtime, Carolina basically was able to cruise more or less um after that so what what do you feel like got them in trouble and then what do you feel like got them out of it I feel like probably what got them in trouble the big thing was Baycott being on the bench as long as he was where Ohio State started to take that lead and um I think when he came back in even things weren't Super great. And then after they came back in after, or, you know, came out of the locker room after halftime, I feel like a switch was flipped. And it it sounds like that was Hubert Davis's doing. Um, He was very animated in the locker room from what I heard. And that's probably well deserved. Um, but yeah, I apparently it worked because we're sitting here happy and not super mad again. Yeah, no, I agree. But I still think it comes down to like one of the biggest things that got them into trouble was what we saw over the past, over the four game losing streak. You know, it was shot selection and. Um, just lack of execution, whether Baycott's in the game or not. I just kind yeah. of felt like that was our Achilles uh, heel. And, you know, that's been kind of a hallmark that's carried over to Hubert Davis, I think, um, from Rory's teams too. So whatever is in that water, whatever they're drinking, we need to kind of get over that because, you know, we're not always, not always going to have a Baycott or – a Jalen whenever he gets healthy um, and, you know, and can play whatever to, to kind of make up for those shortcomings. The We should not be excelling or winning just because we're winning the second chance battle. Like you, you know, you sometimes you shouldn't even need a second chance uh, opportunity because that means you executed and actually made it. Um, so, you know, that's, that's just me. <laughs> Well, you probably have a decent amount of second chance opportunities when you only shoot 11% from three in the half. <laughs> um, while Ohio State was shooting 47% from three in the half. So, I mean, we've 
lamented the three-point shooting multiple times on this podcast, it's not better. (laughs) Um, It did get a little better in the second half, for sure. They shot 30% after halftime, largely thanks to three from Caleb Love. But, man, 11%, 11%, it's not going to cut it most of the time. It's not. And when you're not making three points or, you know, when you're not making threes, the thing that you have to do to correct for that is you have to play really good three-point defense. They did not. Um, Caleb Love got cooked again, this time by Bruce Thornton. Um, the first half was just Thornton going off and Caleb not being able to handle that. Thankfully, in the second half, it looked, uh, Hubert Davis made an adjustment. We saw R.J. Davis on Thornton and things cooled off a bit. They still shot 50% from three, even in that half. But, but they only they only took four threes right. in the second half, which, I mean... I, I don't know why I don't know why you do that when you took fifteen of them in the first half and uh, the defense was not stopping you. Uh, somebody should probably investigate that. But um, well, yeah. Well, to be fair, they had only attempted what, or they had only made what eleven going into that game anyway. Yeah, uh, eleven a game or so. So they probably were in unfamiliar territory. Yeah, so. but so was <laughs> Caleb Grill and. Uh, my man did not stop, so you know. Right, and well, and so on the other, on the flip side of that too, right? So, what would have negated the need for three point defense? Making rebound. Ah, uh, yeah. Making. I mean, I'm not. Well, I'm. I'm just gonna like not even include that because obviously we've got an issue. <laughs> but you know, we've been lamenting, and yes, I have been uh, a critic of Caleb Love going into this because, yeah. Pulling up three seconds into the shot clock usually leads to a run out on the other end, so I count that as a turnover, right? But if you're not getting the ball back, um, you know, and we just mentioned that Baycott missed a you know a significant amount of time when he was you know sitting on the bench, that's an issue. But again, it's like one of these things should not exist, right? One of these things you should not need. You should either not need the poor three point uh, percentage. You should either not need. Uh, the the second chance opportunities, or you should not need the three point defense because because we know when was the last season that Carolina has had all three? It's been two thousand nine. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and and I wish that we would have all three of those on a consistent basis, but you don't. We know that you don't need those, right? We know you don't need all three. But you got to have one of them consistently. <laughs> Otherwise, um, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to be tweeting, is Carolina Athletics a leading contributor to cardio- cardiovascular issues in the state of North Carolina? Because that's, that's what happens. <laughs> and honestly, if you look at the box score, I feel like the two places that Carolina really won this game, and I want to preface this by saying, when you hear these numbers, you would think that they would have comfortably won, not needed a buzzer beater to send it to overtime. But they made five more free throws 
than Ohio State attempted. And Carolina scored 27 points off of Ohio State's turnovers. Ohio State scored just 12 points off UNC's turnovers. Those are wide margins. And again, for for it to be that close really illuminates the issue of the poor three-point shooting, the, like, suspect rebounding, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I would say the poor three-point shooting kind of uh, supplemented, like, everything else that was going on at times, right? So... I wanted to, I wanted to die every time they had a lazy pass and it's like oh my oh my gosh there were what three in a row there um, so you've got those three in a row that led to points from a higher seat on their other end you've got wide open perimeter shots that were missing that led to points on runouts and points on the other end and also that three point three pointer that was made not only at the end of uh, right at the end of the first half but also at the end of the um, overtime. That, you know, we won, but still. So that's six points there. So, like, all these little things start leading up and kind of make up for that gap that you were saying there, right? And I, I would believe that it would actually turn into a deficit. And it's, it was just so frustrating, like, you know, looking at this and going, you know these guys can be very good, but not the way they were doing it and then not the stretches they were doing it in. Yeah. Um, there was definitely some frustrating points when it came to how they were, I I mean, they were pretty much (laughs) yo-yoing that whole second half where it was like, we're close. We lost the lead. We're close. We lost the lead. And it was a lot of little mistakes, um, some questionable defense at times. I think there were definitely some really good defensive moments, which is how they even stayed in the game. Which came from the press. Yes, yes. That really changed things defensively. Absolutely. Um, I feel like the points off turnovers was probably the most surprising thing when I went back and looked at the stat sheet. Um the free throws has been interesting because I feel like that has been what they have excelled at most of the season. Um, I don't know that it's been all the season. I'd have to go back and look, but I remember, I've, I mean, I feel like I've remembered like after a lot of these games, I look back and UNC has shot so many more free throws than their opponents. And that's fantastic. That's what you want when you can't make threes is you want to get points in the paint or you want to go to the line because you're trying to get points in the paint. Um, But to both of your points, um, to get that many free throws and to have games be that close or you lose, it's just like, what's happening here? And, I mean, we we were watching the game and uh, talking about sort of UNC Twitter's reaction to what was happening. And um, there was, like, calls for, like, getting better shots. Yeah. But there were a lot of shots that were very open. Yeah. Like, there were countless threes where there was not a defender in the same zip code. Yeah. And they just weren't going in. 
they're just not making them. And that's that's a frustrating thing when you have multiple players on the team not knocking down shots. It's like there's not a great way to connect uh, correct for that. Um, because it, it, it is a good shot yeah. if you're a capable three-point shooter who is open to that degree. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not going in, and that being the case, it's like I find myself screaming, like, can you just go to the basket, please? Just, just go. Or take a step in. Like, how many of these shots have we seen where they caught it on the perimeter and been open and still yet stepped inside, right, and mm-hmm. and, and, and shot and made it? Like, do that. Like, shoot in to go out kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, you're not making it. You're not making it. It's a tight game. I just don't know that three or four straight three attempts or, you know, what it takes. I'm just... Yeah. No, I'm, I'm still not a still not a fan of that. He's he's speaking very um, <laughs> hypothetically about three straight three attempts that don't go in. That's <laughs> you know just he's I'm saying trying, if that had I'm happened. Um, yes, that uh, I think the three of us collectively about uh, lit something on fire in our respective homes uh, when that happened. But um, all's well that ends well. I think hopefully. Um, and it was an important game because they they don't have that many um, quad one win opportunities, particularly uh, outside of basically like Duke and Virginia. Um, so getting one here was important. Um, I think it was a nice. I mean, we we talked in the last podcast about the sort of. Uh, struggles that the CBS Sports Classic has given UNC this time of year in the past. So it was nice to actually come out of that feeling okay. Um, And now, I mean, it was a hard-fought victory, but now they get to go to Charlotte and take on Michigan. Yeah, which will be another essentially, like it'll essentially be a home game. Um, I was surprised that New York was as Carolina blue as it was. I mean, I guess I should have expected it because between them and Ohio State, you would imagine there's going to be more UNC fans. But um, that was that was impressive how many fans sh- showed up for that one. Yeah. And I mentioned in the last podcast that I felt like every time I watched Michigan play this season – that they were just, like, in a rock fight with a team they had no business being in a rock fight with. And I just want to throw out there that in their most recent game, they beat Lipscomb by eight. So um, staying on brand, I guess, Um, living up to the only thing I know about them this season, and and that's that they they are willing to, to be in the trenches with some not so great teams. So, so yeah, no, I agree with that. And one of the things that I was kind of concerned about was the fact that knowing that last year with this same kind of makeup, right, we kind of destroyed them at home, right? Um, kind of gave everybody a little bit of false hope there <laughs> at the beginning of the season. But knowing that 
winning the Ohio State game and then going to Charlotte for the Michigan game could, the way it could set them up as far as, you know, trajectory into the rest of ACC play, I thought it was pretty important. And so we don't know if they'll, they'll, you know, use this or, or, or keep going or whatever. But yeah, it was super. That that game was super important. And then you know, coming up against Michigan, if nothing else, it'll be a well. It won't be, but most people will use it as a barometer for last year, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, last year we beat them by twenty, you know, kind of thing." So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I I definitely wonder how that game is going to go. Um, I've watched a weird amount of Michigan games this year so far. I don't know how that happened. Why would you push yourself through that? It was just on TV, really. Um, I need to see them barely beating Ohio. Yeah. That was a... Regular Ohio, not (laughs) the Ohio. Dollar General Ohio. Yes. I think they, I think they had like a one point lead in that Lipscomb game, and somebody, I saw a tweet where somebody said something about, you know, Jawan Howard's finest or whatever, and I was like, oh god. <laughs> they beat Eastern Michigan by five earlier in the season. They lost to Arizona State by a lot. Barely beat Ohio. Beat Jackson State by ten. Lost to Virginia. Lost to Kentucky. Beat up on Minnesota and then barely beat Lipscomb. It's quite the resume. Yeah. While we're talking about other games, so shout out to the Gonzaga Bulldogs there. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good game. Also, shout out to was UCLA for being Kentucky. Yeah, I don't want to get back Kentucky, but <laughs> <laughs> not right now. All right now, <laughs> the Zags. I was not expecting to uh, take down Alabama like that. I don't know what happened to Gonzaga for them to slide down that far. I like I forgot who they lost to, but I felt like that was a little bit of a. I mean, it's probably not correct to say a trap. Like Alabama knew who they were playing, but I just had a feeling I was like, this is probably going to be an upset. So I was actually surprised that Alabama climbed that high, uh, but they they are they got knocked a little back down to earth during that game. Gonzaga lost uh, to Baylor, Purdue, and Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was super surprised that they did it. That's yeah, but the like we mentioned last week, the men's basketball AP voters are just it's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. I think women's has, <clears throat> I think women's is actually better the, as far as the voting is concerned. Yeah, I, I feel like that's probably about right. I really only pay attention to the rankings so much anymore. Like, of course, when UNC is in it, like it's a good thing. It's a really good thing, but it's just there's so much inconsistency that I feel like the whole list is just a constant grain of salt. <laughs> I I guess you like this will tell on me for how little I pay attention to these, but um, the fact that UConn is number two uh, that that is stunning information for my brain. Yeah, no, that's not even telling on you because even when I refreshed the poll today to look, 
and then saw that, I was like, are we in 2010? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is Gino going to like... <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? <sighs> you know, like, the, the more things change, the more they remain the same. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was a surprise to me too, seeing that. I was like, am I looking at the right poll? That, is, it a, is it the women's poll? Is that what somebody has given me the women's poll? Um, that is that is wild information. The whole top ten is like if you stuck a bunch of schools and like wrote their names on pieces of paper, stuck them in a hat, and like drew names. It's just like, oh yeah, you're good this year. Texas being seventh, like that, that just doesn't it doesn't sit well with uh, me no. for no reason other than I don't keep up with their very existence what did virginia drop to they dropped to sixth okay yeah, yeah. they they fell four spots uh, alabama fell five um duke fell two kentucky fell six miami is ranked miami is ranked how about the yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> Virginia Tech is ranked. Both? Yeah, they're, so there are three, right? So it's, I mean, four. Virginia, Duke, Miami, and Virginia Tech. Yes. Yeah. That's fine as far as the conference is concerned, but sure. We'll take those other three. Uh, Mississippi State is 15th. That is also wild information for my brain. <laughs> is it, is it the football poll? Like, I'm still just confused. I, I think they're high. <laughs> I, <think> they're <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> simply am not understanding what I'm seeing, so I think I should just close that. Um, you yes. know what it is. You know, I, you know what I think it is. I think is you know the uh, voters latching on to a combination of who they want or think will be good. That's interchangeable. And, you know, just anybody else that's doing anything that will justify a ranking on their part. I don't think it's actually, you know, no, nobody watches all these games. No, no. It, it's almost impossible to do so. I mean, a lot of these people cover very specific teams. Um, or if they're like a national, you know, media person, they're probably just watching like the bigger games. And I just, I've... I very much felt like voters sometimes just pick. Bone it in. Yeah. But also, let's be very real. If I was voting, I would absolutely just do it for the lulls. So yeah. um, can't can't shame them for that. <laughs> Vote so you do the same thing that I do for, like, college football goal mania. It just goes through. <laughs> it just... <laughs> Yes. Whatever will make me laugh the hardest when I see it in print is like, oh. probably what I would do. It's like, oh, Western Kentucky? Yeah, I've heard of you. Like, <laughs> let exactly. me put you here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, um, we should move on to our first ever Festivus podcast. Um, I... I feel like it's very fitting that we we get together on this uh, hot take podcast and fire off some hot takes for Christmas 
that uh, may or may not make you stop listening to us uh, after we say them, but you know what you signed on for, so um, I guess I will kick things off with my first grievance, and that is the blown lead in the national championship in basketball. Um, I think the fact that they were even there is impressive. I would not have, I I don't think any of us would have thought that they would make it there last season, but they did. And then coming off uh, the win against Duke, I was just happy to be there. And I told myself that I wasn't going to get upset about whatever happened. But then Carolina got a lead. And uh, I got confident. And then I had those hopes and dreams smashed. And I was upset about it. Yeah, it was rough. And going into that one, I definitely had the mentality of they are probably emotionally drained from beating their most hated rival on the biggest stage in college basketball. That's a lot to then switch gears and take on a really good Kansas team. And, yeah, it was just so close. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up crying in the car. And, like, I I feel like it being Kansas made it worse because I feel like Kansas has just been making us miserable for a decade and I'm kind of sick of it yeah I'm trying to remember where I was at for the second half of that game and I cannot remember <laughs> your soul just like <laughs> departed your body temporarily yeah I just I've just I've just completely blocked it out like I legit cannot remember and I know I was here I know I tweeted but I have no idea uh what was going on for that second half I don't know it was like how you don't remember like details of trauma your brain just, like, shuts it off. That's what it did for you in that second half. It was just like, we don't need to store this anywhere. Those files have been yeah, I, moved to the trash. Yeah, I think so, because I legit do not remember. Because I, I, I still remember the uh, Jenkins shot, right? I still remember that. I do not remember what happened in the second half of this game at all. I, I feel like I probably did something similar. I remember where I was at. I just the feeling of watching the end of that game, I feel like I just I just shut it all off. I was like, <laughs> it was like a rage blackout, but like a sad blackout. Yeah. Like, I wasn't mad. I was just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Um, my grievance is UNC's three-point shooting so far this season. It's it's just not good. Um, it's not good for a variety of reasons. Uh, one big reason is Caleb Love has decided that he is an NBA three point shooter and would like to. Uh, he 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 thinks he's basically Steph Curry, and we ain't there yet. You might not be there. There nobody's Steph Curry. Let's just be real. Nobody's Steph Curry. So let's stop trying to be him. Um, then there's obviously just general shot selection, and I feel like one underrated issue is I thought R.J. Davis was going to be a little better than he was uh, going into the season, and he's not quite there yet. 
Um, so that is that is my biggest grievance, I feel like. I feel like we air that grievance every week. Yeah. It's a constant. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And so I think the difference is, though, like when you said that uh, Caleb is, you know, thinking that he's Steph Curry, like honestly, when was the last prolific three-point shooter that we had? Like, I mean, we've had a couple over the past couple of seasons, but it's been a Justin Jackson or a Cam Johnson. Or if you want to talk about last season, late in the season, it was a Brady Manic, right? It's never been Caleb Love. Right. And I just don't, like, I don't know. And people would get, well, and so if people were following me now or following me back then, like they, they would get super mad at me about some of the jokes that I used to make about Theo Pinson trying to pull it for just a jumper, not even a three-pointer, just a jumper. Um, you know, I just, it's, I just failed to comprehend how you realize that, okay, not only do you not have the shot, but it is such a detriment to your team because it's leading to runouts and everything else. Like, why would you, why would you do it? I just, I, I, I don't, I do not understand that. Even if you're looking at Caleb, at Caleb as a shot volume kind of guy, there are other ways to get your shot volume, right? Mm-hmm. Not from well outside of the arc. I just, I, I fail to comprehend that. So, Julius, would you say that it's ill-advised when the game is close and it's late to take three <laughs> threes in a row with 0% completion? I would say not only is it ill-advised, but when the announcers call you out on national television as, oh, I, I like, what did he say? He's like, I know you want to, you know, make a play or whatever, but, you know, that was a wasted trip kind of thing. Yeah, when, when you got announcers, and I'm not talking about Corey Alexander because he'll do this in a split second. I'm talking about storied, Emmy-winning, uh, Hall of Famer broadcasters, right? When they're saying this, we got a problem, and we had a problem. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know. I'm hoping they get it figured out at some point this season because I feel like there's only so many games you can win the way that they've been winning when they are winning. Um, it's just it's going to get harder. Yeah, like yeah, like we discussed earlier. Um, you know, there there are like three things that are Achilles' heels for Carolina, and one of them is that. Um, so shot selection, it's the rebounding and the three point, you know, shooting. If if one of those is drastically different than the others, then it's gonna be a long game for us. And yeah, that's usually what happens. Uh, fortunately for that game, I kind of felt like in the overtime period, we played the way we should have been playing the second half. Yeah. Um. So we were able to do some things that, yeah, we should have been doing, you know, before then. And that, and that's another irritating point. What changed? What was the difference between the second half and the overtime period? Yeah. Um, I think what I'm learning about this team is they have a couple of Kennedy Meeks type characters. Um, where. I don't know. I feel like you both do remember this. Um, Roy Williams infamously had to get on Kennedy constantly, constantly, constantly 
because that was just how he would have his light bulb turn on in his brain, basically. And it seems like, like Hubert Davis said that apparently Armando Bacot and Caleb Love both like when Davis gets loud. And I'm just like, oh, you, you're both one of those people. And I mean, if that's you, that's great. But it's also like, why aren't you able to do this for yourself? You know what I mean? You should tune into the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it just seems like for some reason we've ended up with having at least four of the five starters being that way <laughs> over yeah. the past couple of years. Like, no, please, no. Someone yell. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Take a foghorn, whatever you need to do. Um, but yeah, it's just been – it's frustrating to – well, and that's the other part, too, right? Like, if, if this was a team that, you know, not only just the expectations, like, if this was a team that you just knew couldn't do it, it wouldn't be so bad, right? It wouldn't be that bad. You'd just say, hey, you didn't have the talent or they couldn't do it. But this is a team that you know can, and it's just like, and you're screaming about how it turns on for them or, or you know, what the, when they decide to do, you know, what they want to do, and it's just... Dude, like if you would do this from like if you do this from tip off, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have been the overtime here. We would have been the over the four overtimes for Alabama, you know, whatever. Like it's it's just interesting. And it's and it's not just um descriptive of this team. This has been well, what, at least since 2013, 2014. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of needing to motivate guys in very aggressive ways, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. Julius, your grievance. My grievance is going to be one that was linked to a poll that I did a couple of weeks ago uh, concerning the supposed curse that Carolina was under. And it's about wasting a Heisman candidate I'd say finalist, but I'm just going to say, like, he should have won it. Um, and, and we just kind of threw that away. And I know, you know, with Drake coming back from a new coordinator, yeah, they, he's going to be high profile and he's going to have, you know, some attention on him, what, what, what have you. But we've been here before, number one, with a different coordinator. But, um, yeah, I just don't know how many times you can be a program like Carolina and be in the position that they had to just seemingly throw that away um, to be in the driver's seat for a, a Heisman campaign and just kind of, you know, just throw that away the way that we did. That's my, that's my biggest grievance. It's probably, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the largest grievances that I've had personally as a fan in the last 30 years. Yeah. I don't know what happened in the locker room in Winston-Salem, but halftime of the Wake Forest game, something was removed from the motor that made the offense go, and it was all downhill in the worst ways from there. Um, And it's really unfortunate because I don't feel like you – I mean, hopefully it's not the case, but we have also seen – 
really good seasons by a quarterback get followed by an all right season by a quarterback. And I feel like there's no guarantee that Drake can replicate that, especially when you talk about he's not going to have Josh Downs. He's not going to have Antoine Green. Um, so to to have such an opportunity and fumble it away in such spectacular fashion is, is really unforgivable. And, like, thankfully, what I've noticed about Drake is he's truly, truly, truly talented. Um, there are things that you just – they're very hard – it's going to be very hard for him to regress much as a player. Not saying it's impossible. It can happen. But I feel like what he is capable of doing on the field, as long as the new offensive coordinator gives him a fair chance to do it, we should still see him have a pretty good season. The big problem is that Josh Downs is gone. Antoine Green is down. Uh, gone. And so now you have new receivers that are going to have to catch the ball, which that was one of the problems near the end of the season is we saw a lot of drops. And it made Drake's numbers look really – I mean, they still look pretty good compared to some quarterbacks, but I feel like they would have looked so much better without all those drops. And it just – I don't know. It hurt. It hurt a lot. My my thought on all of that is just like everything has to go so right for repeating what happened. And I do think that if anybody is capable of repeating it, it's Drake May. I do think he is a generational talent. Um, it's – I think – where I am the most upset is just that he he has to go out there and is asked to run it back, but do it better and probably do it with less effective weapons. And um, maybe we'll try to see if we can finish the job this time. And like he just shouldn't have been asked to to do that. Yep. Nope. I completely agree. And I was going to say that too. It's, um, you know, I'm not discounting the fact that he should be able to do it, but he shouldn't have to do it. And like a lot of people were looking at it, you know, they compared Carolina's regular season to, oh, well, in the, the preseason, they would pick, what, fifth in the Coastal or whatever. Like, let's throw that out the window because they clinched the Coastal, right? And then riding such a high with them, you know, living on the edge, you know, with Drake's numbers and everything. It was just, I, I'm sorry, it was just a total collapse that we knew something had to change. And, you know, we even said, the not the last podcast, but the uh, episode prior, that you're going to have to kind of figure out what Drake's camp is kind of thinking here because he can't be happy with what happened. And... Even if he is able to come in and replicate like what just happened, to be that close, to be that close and face the comp the competition that he faced at the end of the season, and to lose it, not just not just it wasn't just a slip out of you know my hand kind of thing. It was just a ter- 
a bomb. Like you, it was free you fall. Just, yeah, you just whatever. Uh, it's just you know how many opportunities does a player from UNC kind of get to do that? Like we had Sam, and then we saw what happened with that. We had Drake, who was arguably closer, right? He had he won at Georgia Tech, he would have been the undeniable front runner for the Heisman. It was already heading that way. The, I mean, it was slow to catch on kind of thing, but everybody kind of, you know, got got behind them. Uh, at least all the ACC-centric folks and, you know, other other people had kind of got behind them kind of thing. And we went into Georgia Tech and like, oh, never mind. Like, we're just going to, nope. So I just, I don't think, you know, people realize just how, just how close you can come to that especially not being the front runner from the beginning, right? You just burst on the scene out of nowhere and you, you know, decided to plant yourself here. It was just, it was within their grasp and we, you know, then didn't get it done. And it's going to be harder the next time around because now there's a season worth of tape on Drake. And again, the, the weapons are, are probably going to be a step back from what they were this year. Um, hopefully the new offensive coordinator has a few tricks up his sleeve to help mitigate some of those factors, but um, it, it just is, it feels very unfair that it went down the way that it did. For sure. Um, my honorable mention grievance is losing Gigi Jackson. Um, for no other reason than... It was so exciting to have him commit and then so sort of deflating to see him decide to go to South Carolina instead. And I understand all the reasons. I understand uh, reclassifying and and all the things. Um, but at the time, I was extremely salty about it, and I am I am still a little salty about it. So uh, I'll definitely agree with that honorable mention. And I'll say with one caveat. So I remember I'm thinking back now, I'm thinking back now to all the information that we had at the time uh, when he decommitted and I'm going, okay, I don't think this was actually going to happen because I, from the information that I saw and was given, I don't think he ever should have committed to Carolina. That's fair. So I don't know that it would have ever actually happened. But my set out, so I preface that with that. Uh, but I'll say that Pete Nance's shot at the end of regulation, you know, at the Ohio State game, notwithstanding, maybe we didn't need a graduate transfer. And we could have had a scholarship available for him to come on. And I realized I'm saying I'm not shunning anyone kind of thing, because again, I don't know that it would have actually worked out anyway. Because I don't, I, honestly, from the from what I was hearing, I don't think he wanted to be at Carolina. I think he, his heart was always at South Carolina, and for some reason he decided to commit to us. But he really just wanted to be there, kind of thing. And good luck to them. I see they're under five hundred now, so for whatever that's worth. But um, you know, I don't know. There's all well that ends well. We'll find out <laughs> come April. But yeah. Um. College recruiting is wild. Like, it is super unpredictable. 
sometimes you could predict it just because it's so unpredictable. Like I, the, there was just something about his recruitment that was super weird to me. And it ended just as weird. Um, I feel like your concern about the transfer is definitely valid. Um, I do think that this time last year we had similar feelings about the Manic Dawson Garcia situation. And by the time the season wrapped up, like I know Garcia was gone, but Manic ended up being one of the best players on the team. I'm not saying that that will happen again, again with Nance, but what I will say is like, it will be interesting to see what happens with Nance from here, because I have seen, some pretty good moments from him, um, especially defensively. Like, I was pretty critical of him near the beginning of the season for his defense, but he showed up on that during the Ohio State game. I was I was taken aback by that. Um, but, yeah, it's a long season. We'll see how things play out. And I, I do think that the Nance situation felt to me like trying to replicate the Brady Manic situation. And I, I don't think that that is necessarily a repeatable thing. Like, you can't just go out and get a grad transfer and have them turn into Brady Manic, no matter how much you sort of, like, douse them in holy water or whatever. Um, but, but we'll see. Like I said, um, it was more of just, like, a frustrating situation to watch play out the way that it did. Um, I'm not good about living with, well, what could this have been if it had gone a different way? I think that's what I uh, lament the most is like not knowing what Gigi Jackson on this team would have meant for this team. Um, But you know, wherever he wants to go is where he should go. And if that's South Carolina, then then more power to it. Right. And I definitely don't say this, you know, uh, discounting anything Pete Nance may or may not provide to this Carolina team. And the later we get into the season, we'll be able to get a better sample size, right, and uh, see his, contrib- his contributions. Case in point, the shot that he just made against Ohio State as soon as in the overtime. However, the – Part of me is like, okay, would Gigi kind of be a backup to Armando, kind of negate the need for some of those things, kind of thing, you know? And we'll never know. But that's why I'm saying, like, you know, that's that's me. I'm I'm glad I'm not in these positions. But um, but again, from from everything that I kind of gathered, Gigi should have never committed to Carolina because it was not gonna. Ha- it was just not gonna happen. So. Well, on a much happier note, let's move on to our feats of strength. And mine is an obvious one, but it is beating Coach K in his last game at Cameron. Um, For all the fanfare, for all of the, we have brought back all 920 three of his former players. Um, Carolina went out there and and they did it. And that was one of 
the most exciting games that I could remember to that point. Yeah. You know, it's something that once the players that are still on the team that were in that game, once they leave, I hope that is a lasting, um, I guess, memory for fans. Um, Because that was an improbable situation. I mean, even just down to when when a team is is doing something big like that, it's very difficult to go into that environment. Like Cameron's difficult to play in when they're not sending their coach of ninety four years out. Like. It's it's a hard place to play, and for those guys to go in there and show up the way they did, it was just it was really impressive. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And uh, in addition to that, I guess I need to be uh, thankful or happy for the memes that came out of that game, <laughs> and no other for Jay Williams trying to call a timeout from the, from the sideline. <laughs> But the seats, like, oh my gosh, like, that's one of my favorite all time. Oh, that, yeah, that will definitely be in the bank. I will use that again. It's just like, you know, what's going on? Here? Please stop it. You know, no, but yeah, no, uh, I agree. But definitely for the memes, the memes of the memes were awesome coming out of that game. There was so many great ones. I, I. It was just fantastic. I got some stickers from that one, if I remember right. Still have them. I need to stick them around a few places. Maybe I'll make a trip to Durham. I, I survived a good while on just the the vibes of that game. Yeah. The vibes were excellent. Um, my feats of strength is Drake May just existing in life. Um I think it's always really cool when players kind of like follow their bloodline when it comes to college sports. Um, So his dad came here, Luke May went to UNC. His brother is a red shirt, or no, walk-on? Walk-on for the basketball team. The only one that didn't attend the school was uh, Cole, who played baseball for florida i digress um it's one thing still won a championship he's still great he is he is going to be remembered somewhere um i think it's one thing to follow your family to a school i think it's another thing to follow your family to a school and be really good and to leave your imprint on the school um I think he he broke a couple records this season, right? So, I mean, like... And he's just a baby. Yeah. This is his first season as a quarterback. Hopefully, we get more than one more extra season, but I know Mm. it's not likely because the NFL is going to be calling him. Um, But also, can you imagine if he had to stay more than one more year? Like, we would never hear the end of that, so I'll just pretend like you you didn't. Yeah. I would... I would love for him to have another year, the two two year or another year beyond next season. 
but because like he's still a projected top five, he's like, oh no, I can still do more, and I'll come back, kind of thing. Not because he has to come back, because that would <laughs> just be horrible. <laughs> right. But yeah, um, he's been really impressive. He has handled himself extremely well, just you know, nav- navigating like media and NIL and all of that stuff. Um, he's a stand-up guy, and he kicks ass at football. That that's those are the two things that I appreciate about him. And my my relationship with UNC football is a complicated one. Um, whereas I will let the basketball team beat my soul into a pulp twice a week and still come back for more the next week. Um, for football, I find it very difficult to allow them to hurt me the way that they do and still feel invested. But Drake May was like some CPR on that relationship this year. And um, he's he's got me back in, unfortunately, um, to, to ride and uh, probably end up hurt again. Yeah. Thanks, Drake. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like I said, this was like the first – or this was, these were the most games that I went to this season in a long time. I went to six games this season, um, and I'll probably do it again. And I, and that was before we knew what Drake May was going to do because I requested my tickets from the Rams club and just kind of maneuvered from there kind of thing. You know, So this was obviously well before the season started. Um, so we'll, we'll be doing it again next season. Um but yeah, it just makes like for a double whammy when football and basketball are not kind of performing, you know, the way that they should. And again, you just cannot, if you're going to end that way, start that way. Don't, you know, don't start the way that you started and then just crash after that. Because it just, now not only does it, you know, kind of like dash our hopes, but it, it leaves every everyone i mean fans players coaches the school alike open to um unnecessary criticism from all of the abcers so yeah for sure julius feats of strength mine has uh, so i've got to have mine go towards coach karen shelton and the field hockey team for her winning her 10th championship and retiring on her own field, you know, her, her field named after her, or stadium named after her, the way that she did. Like, that's... She did what Coach K wanted to do, right? And, you know, though there, there will never be another one like her. Um, you know, I, no offense, um, Coach Dorrance, but, yeah, no... Coach Shelton was she, she's my hero. Like she's provided her teams have provided so much, so many pick me ups for us. Like over the summers and what have you. Like hey, Carolina's not exactly doing you know what we want them to do. They're not you know doing well this season. Oh, but there's food hockey kind of thing. You know so. I think the one incredible thing about Carolina athletics is like 
all uh, there's so many programs that perform at such a high level. I think field hockey and women's soccer, they just they found a way to stand out on their own for a school that is mostly known for being really good at basketball. Um, Sheldon deserved to go out the way that she went out, and that's a champion. Aaron Matson deserved to go out the way that she went out, which is a champion. And she is – I've seen her play. It's just – it's crazy. I mean, we've all seen her play, but it's just I, – I have to emphasize, like, that is a level of greatness that it, it's very hard to come by. Um, I'm glad that both of them are leaving the team the way that they did. Yeah, both of them are great, and um, I think, I mean, to say that they went on an incredible run together would be an understatement, and it's it's super fitting for Shelton to go out on top, um, for Matson to go out on top. It, it's just really like a, a storybook ending for both of them, and whoever fills those shoes has incredibly big shoes to fill. Um, it's it's not easy to follow a legend, and and Karen Shelton is absolutely a legend. Um, but yeah, they they have done UNC incredibly proud. Uh, I guess my honorable mention for this one would be the Brady Manic acquisition last season. Um, when at the beginning of the season was uh, questionable. It, it didn't seem like an amazing move at the time. But, boy, in the second half, he, he really carried them to that national championship appearance um, and truly became a leader, uh, was you know, there to get up at the press conference and answer the questions and and be the guy to kind of represent um, even in, in the tough moments and I think that that was uh, much needed on that team yeah I no, I agree and we kind of saw what was it about this time last year um, when he was becoming a little more vocal yeah um yeah about kind of some of the things that were going on so so yeah no I I would definitely agree with him as an honorable mention however Mine would be the fact that we have two new replacements on the offensive side of the ball in football. Yes, and I mean, uh, we have we have uh, made our feelings known a few times on, on this very podcast, um, but it sounds like everything went the way that we felt like it had to go for things to work out, and that was um, letting Drake kind of pull the strings a bit for what way he wanted to go. Uh, Mac Brown said that uh, Drake was offered a lot of money to leave Carolina, and when you have a generational talent like that, you have to keep him happy. Um, it, it sounds like that's what they did in hiring Ch- Chip Lindsay. Um, and hopefully, you know, the, 
the relationship ends up working to Drake's benefit. Um, but I'm I'm just excited for some new blood, basically. Right. No, I agree. And so the other side of that, though, is that if it doesn't, you can't say that Carolina did not try. Right? Yes. Um, and so, like, even with the fact that you can't lose a generational talent like that, you can't afford to lose a generational talent that's also a legacy uh, player like that. So, you know, again, and I realize that most people would say, oh, well, you know, ridicule is not really something that you should be looking at kind of thing. But it is because the nicest things that people are saying negatively about you on Twitter, recruiting staffs are saying about you on couches and living rooms when they're recruiting the players that you're trying to go up against, right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, you, you've got to be able to uh, at least keep the pace or kind of secure everybody on all fronts when it comes to that. And so, yeah, I was very, I don't want to say outright happy because, again, I am thankful for the contributions that Phil Longo, you know, contributed, like his offense. I mean, he went through two quarterbacks, right? He made Sam Howell what he was, not what he finished as. Made Drake May what he was, not what he finished this season as. But in, you know, statistics, we'd call that a strategy kind of thing, right? And so I just, we, and we talked about this, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. We just, we just did not want the same thing to happen to Drake that happened to Sam because not only would it be the second one in a matter of years that did it, this would also be a worse kind of collapse than what Sam kind of went through. So, yeah, at least now we... At least now, if it doesn't work out, and we know that it very well may not, but if it doesn't, you can't say that Carolina did not try. And optics are important. We talked about that with all of the transfers on the defensive side of the ball. Um, that is the stuff that is used against you when it comes to recruits and, um, you know, XYZ coach is there telling that guy, like, oh, why do you want to – go there when everyone's jumping ship. So if you have a guy who was on pace to perhaps win the Heisman, he's a legacy at your school, all of that, and after his first season at quarterback, he leaves for another school. Like That is a perception that I think it would be very difficult to come back from because that very well could be understandably used against you for quite some time to come. So I think they did everything as best they could. Um, I know I was a little worried that it would kind of go a, a safe sort of Gene Chizik route with offensive coordinator. Glad to see that that was not the case. Um, like I said, I just I think they needed someone new. They needed a fresh perspective, and I think they got that with Lindsay. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know, you also have to kind of couple that with um, they're already facing that too, right? The, what was it? Essentially, their entire defensive back room uh, transferred, mm-hmm. even though they've gotten some some pretty decent. I do like the um, commitments they've gotten from others, even though. You know, one was FCS, and then I've seen some stuff about them. But 
we're talking about players that have been consistently All-Americans, first-team conference kind of thing. And so as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to have transfers coming in at this point, those are the transfers that you need, right? And I still don't think they've had anyone transfer with less than two years of legibility left. Uh, I know they're, they're, they're seeking one of the guys – well, maybe he already committed uh, Sim- Simkin, Limkin uh, from Coastal Carolina. He was one of their most decorated freshmen coming out of there. I think he committed earlier today. Uh, and they're, they're still looking at one more. But, yeah, I so far I have, like, their efforts replenishing um, the defensive transfers on that, on that part. For sure. Well, uh, to put a bow on it, we we have some Festivus miracles to discuss. Uh, some are, I think, uh, more in the miracle category than others. But um, I think the biggest one, the undeniable one, is the Final Four win against Duke. Um, I think I've lived my entire sort of like mostly adult life dreading the day when UNC and Duke would meet in the tournament. Um, I think a lot of people kind of had that as like, well, if that ever happens, whoever wins, they they have sort of like the ultimate trump card. Um, it would be hard to beat that. And I think that's true. Um, I'm very very thankful that for at least the time being UNC will have that Uh, we have no idea when that will happen again if it ever does Um, but to have a coach in his first year and a team that we just did not think would get to that point having did uh, having done what they did in Cameron that felt like the peak. Um, I don't know how I would have felt if the Final Four game had gone differently. Uh, would it have sort of swung things fully back Duke's favor? I think it probably would have because then everything that happened at Cameron is a footnote in a, yeah, but what happened right after that in a bigger game in even higher stakes? Um, so... I'm glad that's not something we had to to think about and, and weigh those two games out forever because I don't think it would have worked out in UNC's favor. But what a win. Like, what a defining win for Hubert Davis and, and that team. Yeah, no, I agree. And the, the only thing that I'll say to that effect was or is that um, – I do think it would have been completely different had Duke actually won because for some reason Duke fans on Duke fans are just kind of ignoring the fact that we embarrassed Coach K at home and then sent him out his last game um, of his career in the fi- in the final four no less and I guess I would be doing the same thing I don't know but uh, but yeah for some reason they lately at least they kind of pretended that that doesn't happen even even though we know and we know that would not be the case had they done that had they done the opposite or the same thing so yeah i i whatever maybe this is some 
uh, strategic tactic that they've taken up or whatever to, to cope with their, their wounds and also kind of negate the argument that, that we've got the ultimate Trump card, which we do. But yeah, and, and I think until until we either meet in a Final Four or a national championship game again, uh, that is still something that we can say, no matter how Carolina is doing, because that's, that's another thing with them, no matter how Carolina is perceived to be doing, yeah, we sent your legendary coach home in his final home game in front of all or most of his former players, the ones that would come back, you know, for whatever the brotherhood stands for. Uh, but we sent him home with that loss, um, made him give a very upsetting speech to what was and was not acceptable. <laughs> that speech, <laughs> uh, that speech will forever just like rejuvenate my soul. Was could, you, could you imagine more William standing up in the Dean Smith Center and going, this is not acceptable. <laughs> like, right. the, oh my God. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, that in addition to you know the 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 day of the final four, I just I I don't even really think I could even eat. My stomach was upset. I just I was not happy about that game whatsoever, you know. And then for it to end the way that it did, and uh, for us to win, yeah, like um, yeah, sure. The, meet us in another final four or championship game, and, and then we'll talk. But yeah. It definitely didn't have the uh, super detrimental effects that I thought it would have, but it did give us that ultimate trump card until it happens again. Yeah. And, I mean, you brought up Duke fans kind of downplaying it. I feel like you have to because, like, the alternative is just, like, folding like a house of cards and and admitting that uh, nothing will ever beat that until we either run it back in another final four or they beat us in a national championship which again like it had not happened to this point so you got to think it's going to be a while before those stars align again um but i think i think we know that they are down tremendously about it and uh, they may not admit it where anyone can see it but we know it's there. Oh, they definitely did at the time because I've got the screenshots for it. But now, they, you know, a, a few months removed from it, they've kind of changed their tune. But, yeah, there's a couple accountants uh, um, in particular that, that said, hey, Carolina's got the Trump card now. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, what happened? Like, you know, Carolina's not ranked, but ha, ha, ha. I'm like, okay, so what happened to this? So, yeah. I just... I can only imagine what will happen if or when Carolina rebounds and we can kind of replicate the success that we had last season. It's going to be very fun on Twitter because, um, you know, I'm scrolling through and keeping receipts of, of things that I can kind of, you know, come back to people on. So we'll see if they can do it. And I used to tell Brandon this all the time that it won't happen because uh, God doesn't like ugly. He doesn't <laughs> want me to be able to do some of these things that I want to do. But if it does, it's going to be fun. <laughs> yes, and I, I think he, I think he will understand. Uh, Julius, what is your uh, Festivus miracle? Right. So for everything that I've said about being thankful for Phil Longo, my 
Mine is Phil Longo's departure. That just for the just for the simple fact that you know, like we just said, um, I really do truly believe that. I'm happy for his contributions, but I do believe that he was kind of tap, tapped out. And again, uh, kind of the second quarterback, second high-profile quarterback that we've had that was kind of seemingly going in the same way that um, Sam Howell, you know, went in, which was a travesty. And this would be even worse if Drake somehow ended up uh, doing anything similarly to what uh, Sam Howell did. Yeah, so so that's mine. I'm you know I'm I'm happy that he found another. I'm happy that he found a comparable position. But I'm also happy that we uh, have some new leadership on that unit. Phil Longo may be one of the most puzzling coaches that I've witnessed. Um, definitely not the most. Um, I feel like there's a decent group of them that have come through Carolina, but. Um, I will give credit where credit is due. He really showed how to make a high-power offense while he was at Carolina. Um, The downside is I feel like he had one critical flaw. um, That was basically navigating the red zone. But I also feel like near the end of this season, he maybe opened up the playbook a little too much. Or he got a little too confident calling, you know, X, Y, Z plays. And ultimately what it led to was a loss to Georgia Tech, a loss to NC State, which that one was obviously really frustrating. And the Clemson game, that it really should have been I guess, more competitive than it was, um, and it wasn't. And I feel like a lot of that was because of him. Um, Obviously not everything, but I think considering the trajectory or, you know, just considering how things were going in the beginning and how things ended, it's really hard to look many other places than – what happened with the collapse of the offense. Um, I hope that he goes to Wisconsin and figures things out. Um, I don't wish any ill will against him, but I'm really excited to see what Lindsey's going to do. Hopefully the locker room just needed a change and that change will spark good things. Yeah, unfortunately, this is not the best business to be in if you're not performing well, right? And from a Carolina standpoint, as we've said a few times on this podcast alone, if you had to choose between Longa and Drake May, you obviously needed to keep Drake May. Um, And so, yeah, again, I'm not bashing Longo, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad, again, I'm glad he found a comparable, uh, which was essentially a lateral move for him, going back to someone that he's familiar with as well, right? Right? And, uh, you know, we get to keep Drake May and bring in a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive line coach, and we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully, the both of us will excel in those opportunities and we'll be everybody will be able to move forward. For sure. 
for my Festivus miracle, I have to turn to the Ohio State game. Um, that was <laughs> just so unexpected to see how they fought back in that game. Um, obviously, the Pete Nance shot was peak miracle content. Um, and then just how they looked so good in overtime and managed to put them away. And that's just something that we haven't seen this year. Um, I, I just, I wasn't really expecting it. I was fully expecting another Alabama situation, maybe with less overtimes where, you know, we had Baycott and Leakey and, I think there was a couple other players that were in pretty decent amounts of foul trouble and they still found a way to keep everybody in the game. Nobody fouled out and they just finished. Um, It was easily their toughest performance of the season. And I think that it is now where the bar should be set for, how they need to move forward with the team. Because, like, if you play like that every night, I feel like you're going to have a pretty good season. Right. So a couple of things that I have with that one is, so major kudos to Leakey, because I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he played the last six or seven minutes of the of regulation and the overtime period with four fouls, right? So, <laughs> so kudos to him for doing that. And also kudos to the ref for swallowing and not calling everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing that I had was uh, no. So once they got into the overtime period, yeah, they buckled down and kind of played like we thought that they should be playing, kind of thing. But again, a lot of my frustration with Carolina basketball last season and this season too is they could have won in spite of that. Right, they could right. have won, even if they didn't buckle down and play the overtime period. Period, you know how they played it. It just, you know, just a string of plays here, a string of plays there, w- would have been the difference, you know, between a you know tie and a, or seemingly a loss like we all expected, and uh, regulation there, um, kind of similar similar to the Alabama game. So it's like, I don't actually need you to give me a perfect game like you had in the overtime period. I just need you to clean up, clean up some of these uh, mistakes that you've had, with whether it's lazy passes or wild shots at the rim, wild shots away from the rim. Like, clean up one of those areas, and I believe you'll find it a lot easier um, to play, you know, and win games. And it's something that they're going to have to do uh, heading into ACC play. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's. It's just been interesting to see a team that made it to the national championship game return to for the you know next season and to it's almost like they're learning to they're almost learning how to be good again um which is it's 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 interesting i I don't know what leads to that. The only big change this season has been, of course, the Brady Manic for Pete Nance situation um, with Manic graduating. But um, I think they're starting to figure it out. I think they are far from perfect, obviously. And my hope is that 
they just continue to grow as a team because they really do have a lot of talent. They really do have a pretty high ceiling. Um, I still think this is a team that can get really deep into the NCAA tournament if they figure things out. But it just they just have to keep building off of that Ohio State game because if they don't, I feel like they're going to have a bad time in ACC play for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, also, to kind of follow up on, on what I was saying is the reason I don't need him to give me a perfect game is because if this team gave us a perfect game, a snippet of the overtime game, like for the entire uh, first and second half, they, they'd rival the 0-9 team, which we, you know, all agree was you know, was the most dominant team that we've had, you know, in Carolina uh, in a while. So, and we don't expect that to happen. Sure, they could do it, but they don't have to, right? They could be uh, a twenty-seven, a 2016-2017 team, you know, if you wanted, if they clean, clean up some of these mistakes. So that's another reason why I think I'm a little more critical because, again, like if you, did, if you don't have it, you just don't have it. Yeah. If you if you have it and you don't do it, that's you know when we when we start having some major problems. So it's like yeah, clean up one of these areas, and I believe you'll find it a lot easier to execute and win these games. And yeah, like you said, uh, going into ACC play, you're gonna have to because if not, it's gonna be a very long regular season in ACC play. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, guys, I don't know about you, but I feel better now having uh, gotten all that out. Uh, feel ready to take on 2023. Um, We will be back next week to talk Michigan um, and whatever else comes our way. In the meantime, where can they find you? You can find me at THB Brandon. You can find me at UNC underscore Tar Heel fan. And you can find me at Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Until next time, go Heels. Go Heels. Go Heels.